say thank you, Holy Spirit. And shall we all say thank you, Father? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this meeting. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability, the empowerment for us to come before you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you on behalf of those who are coming and they are not even yet here. But Lord, this is the time that we have chosen to give us your word. And you have ushered us into your presence. For no one can come to you unless, Lord, you draw that person. We come, O oh Lord, surrendering to you, submitting to your authority, asking the Lord to give us teachable spirits, give us understanding, give us wisdom. Grant us to have humble spirits. The Lord, your word will fall on good soil tonight. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all be seated. Hallelujah. This evening, we want to look at a very short but important warning. It's a warning in the word of God. Warning. And the title is Warning to Hearers. Warning to those who hear. Warning to hearers. And uh, our scripture is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Warning to hearers. And we're looking at Hebrews 2. 1 to 4. Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Amen. Warning to hearers. Praise the Lord. There are many warnings in the Bible for both believers and unbelievers. This particular warning is targeting those who are believers those who are believers. And it's about being careful or watching against backsliding. Backsliding. It is, it is possible, it is possible for a believer to lose his or her salvation. It's possible for someone who has believed as time goes on, 
to lose his or her salvation by backsliding, going back to the world, losing his or her salvation. And therefore, throughout the Gospels, Jesus gives us, or the Bible gives us many warnings and advices, not just warning, but the Bible tells us how we can guard against backsliding, how we can avoid backsliding. And this is one of them. And the writer of Hebrews begins in verse 1 of chapter 2. Say that, therefore, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, otherwise or lest we drift away. The only way not to drift away, the only way to stay focused, to stay or to maintain your salvation is to give serious attention, earnest heed to the things that we hear. Because in our worship of God, we hear the word of God all the time. We hear God's word all the time. And it is by paying attention or obeying this word that will help us maintain our salvation. Praise the Lord. Therefore, to avoid backsliding, and there are many Christians, so-called Christians, who are backsliding. Many are backsliding every day. There are many who backslide every day. As new members, new converts are being made, old converts are drifting away, backsliding. And the only way we can avoid this, the Bible says we must give all the more careful attention. We must pay careful attention to every word that we hear in the word of God. The thing that we have heard, we hear and we see. In our worship of God, we hear and we see. When Philip went to Samaria and preached the word of God, he spoke the word. He spoke the word. The Bible said that Samaria accepted Jesus. They received Jesus because of what they saw and what they heard. Seeing and believing, seeing and hearing. That is how Samaria receives Jesus. So don't forget that as children of God, as believers, we are expected, God expects us to hear his word almost every day. The word of God is alive, it's living, and it has power. When we cease or we stop hearing the word for some time, when we stay away from hearing the word for some prolonged time, we begin to drift away. We begin to fall away. We begin to backslide. And if you've noticed, if anyone who stays away from church for some from weeks, when you come back, you can see that you are not able to flow. You can see that as if you have been left behind. There's a gap. Something that you have not received. And um, uh, it's not the same as when you left. It's like beginning from the beginning all over again. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews, the word of God says that 
we must we must give the more earnest heed the things that we hear otherwise we drift away what we hear therefore as i said is the word of god it's not the music it's not the gospel music it's not anything what we're talking about here is the word of god Shall I see the word of god now to hear and obey to hear and obey is to heed you see there's hearing and there's obeying hearing the word of god and obeying the word means that you have heeded the word you've you've heard you have understood it you have received it and you are living by it you are obeying it that's what i understand by to heed because it is possible to hear the word of god and not obey and in that case you are just a hearer and this warning goes to hearers warning to hearers to hear and not obey is not heeding you are only hearing and if you hear and you don't obey it doesn't do you any good it doesn't achieve any purpose in your life at all because the reason why the word of god is, is preached for you to hear is so that after hearing you obey the word church may we all hear and obey the word of god there are many so-called christians in the houses of god who are only hearers they only hear they only hear and concerning such i would say they are not even they are not even saved because if you saved you hear and you obey to hear and not to obey means that you are not even saved you are just a hearer you are just a church goer you are just warming the seat that you sit on you come in and go away the same as you came and next day or by the time you get to me you have even forgotten if you are asked what was the message what are the the, the, the message, the, the, the lesson, you don't even you don't even recall. So nearby town, Teshin, Mishakam, if you, I know you hearing me now, and all those who are hearing me from all over the world. Yes, we need to hear the word of God. It is the word of God, and having heard the word, God expects us to obey that word, and that is heeding. Otherwise, hearing that word will not yield any good thing in your life. Now, the word of God began as the law. The beginning of the word was the law. God gave Israel his word as the law. It was the law. Then later on, the prophets. Then the wisdom literature. And then other, other books followed. But it began as a law. And the law is a law. The Bible says that, verse 2, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward or a just punishment, the law, as given in the Old Testament, the Bible says was delivered by the hand of angels. If we didn't know this today, we didn't know this before today, understand. 
that the law or the Old Testament Bible that we have was given through the hand of angels, from angels to men. They received the law by the hand of angels. But I was like, even if the word which was delivered by angels was steadfast, it was true, sure. It was said that God did not tolerate disobedience or transgression of that word. Now, look at this carefully. The law, the Old Testament, which was delivered by the hand of angels, or spoken by angels, was steadfast. It was sure. God did not compromise on it. God did not take it casually. So that anyone who disobeyed that word, that law, anyone who transgressed the law, received a punishment. No one was allowed to go scot-free if he or she disobeyed the law. And this law, we told, was given by angels. Yet, God considered it so serious that no one could got away with, with going or transgressing against it or disobeying it. Praise the Lord. Then, how shall we, then in that case, how shall we escape, verse 3? In that, if that's what the case with the law, then how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at, at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Praise the Lord. So now, the word of God is making a distinction, a comparison between the law and the gospel. The law and the gospel. In fact, the law itself cannot save. The law does not save. The Old Testament does not save. It is the gospel that saves. The gospel that saves. And yet, anyone who transgressed or disobeyed the law was punished. So now, Bible is saying that then how can you escape punishment? How can anyone escape punishment if that person refuses to obey, to hear, to heed the gospel which was given to us by the Lord Jesus himself, by God himself? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord at the first was spoken by the Lord Jesus and was confirmed, was transferred to us by those who heard him. Now, the first one, the law, could not save. The law was weak in that it cannot save. Given by angels. And yet, anyone who disobeyed it received punishment. But the gospel brought salvation. The gospel is able to save. The gospel saves. And the gospel was spoken to us at the first by the Lord Jesus, by God himself, by Jesus himself. And 
the message has been confirmed or transferred from generation to generation. Those who first heard him, they spoke to us what they heard. They wrote down what they heard. It has been handed down over to us and it shall be handed down after us to our, our successors, those who come after until Jesus comes again. So now, if this gospel is so important that Jesus himself had to come down, God had to come and deliver it himself and deliver it into the hands of faithful men who also delivered it into faithful men and so on and so forth, then you and I, if we are careless, if we take it casually, if we don't consider it as important, and we neglect it, then there shall be no excuse for us. We shall have no excuse. We shall receive the just punishment. So, that's a warning to hear us. Warning to hear us. Praise the Lord. Now, when you go to Acts, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, verse 53. Acts of the Apostles, 753. Bible says that who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Who have received the law? So the law was received by the direction of angels. And those who received it have not kept it. Throughout the centuries, it has been known, it has been very common for people to hear the word of God and not accept it. And not heed it, not obey it. Throughout the centuries, it has been the practice of most people to hear the word of God. Though they have heard, yet they don't keep it. They don't obey it. They don't live by it. That has been more or less the norm. So that those who hear and obey, those who heed, are very few. Jesus said it. Very few, therefore, shall make it to heaven. Very few. Narrow path, narrow gate. Now, when we get Galatians 3.19, Galatians 3.19, Galatians 3.19, the Bible says, Now, what purpose then does the Lord serve? Galatians 3, verse 19. What purpose then that the Lord said? It was added because of transgressions to the seed that Jesus should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So now, we have just said that the Lord does not save. And we know it. Paul said it. The Bible says it. The Lord itself cannot save. He's weak. He cannot grant salvation. Now, what was the purpose of the law? Why was it so important that even if we broke it, anyone who transgressed against it was punished? If we could not save, 
Why, was, why would they be punished if the person disobeyed the law? You see, until the coming of the mediator and the coming of the seed, that Jesus, before Jesus came, there had to be some law to keep mankind, to keep people under check. Whilst the world waited for the coming of Jesus. And therefore, God gave his children Israel the law. And if you look at the laws of God, even after today, almost all constitutions in everywhere, in everywhere, every nation, are modeled. Every constitution of every nation is more or less modeled after the laws of God. You shouldn't, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't steal, bear false witness, false witness. It's all the law of God. And therefore, the law was added, the law was introduced whilst the world waited for the seed, the Messiah to come, who will bring salvation, who will bring the perfection, the perfect law. And therefore, if people will be allowed to transgress, disobey the law, that means that by the time Jesus came, there will be nobody even expecting him. Nobody will be be waiting for him. And that means that nobody may, nobody may even hear or accept the word. And therefore, God was very strict with the law. So that even when Jesus came, he seemed to have relaxed the law. He came to fulfill the law, but in doing so, he appeared to have relaxed the law. But he didn't, he didn't do so. He came to fulfill it, not to relax it, because now the law must be written in our hearts. The word of God must no longer be written on tablets, but written on our hearts, so that there's no an external compulsion. There's no one wielding a very big stick over you 24 hours a day to make sure that you obey the law, as it was in those days. But now, obedience to the word must come from within, from the new man. Because now God's word is written on the heart or in the hearts of, of believers. So that it should be spontaneous, it should be what to call endogenous, must come from inside, not by force from outside. So you hear the word, you understand it, you believe it, you receive it, and the word becomes written inside your spirit. And therefore, it is it's like a, 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 a fountain of river. Fountain of water, river, flowing. And that controls you. So you don't need anyone to tell you what to do and what not to do. The Holy Ghost then will teach you everything. And therefore, you, are not just, you end up not just being a hearer, but you hear and you obey and that's what we call by heeding. That, that's how you, you don't drift away, you don't backslide. Church. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. There are many who are backsliding every day because um, they have heard the word over and over and over and over again. But church, I'll tell you something tonight. Listen to carefully. Everyone who hears the word and does the work of the word Every time you hear it, it's new. It's fresh. 
You can hear the same word every day for a long time, but each time you hear it, it's as if you are hearing it for the first time. It's fresh. It's so refreshing. It's so wonderful. It's so glorious that you don't get tired of hearing it. So, any so-called child of God who becomes too familiar, too used to, too accustomed to the word of God, the extent that now the person, so-called believer, does not anticipate the word of God with joy. You know, you, you, you're not anticipating it, you're not looking forward to it with joy. But it becomes something like, you know, um, a burden. It becomes like, oh, you have to go just to please the pastor of the church that you were there on that day. You just put in an appearance. Then, is the first sign of backsliding. Any child of God who does not make a date, an appointment with the Holy Spirit, as a child of God, if you do not look forward or make a date with the Holy Spirit, and what I mean in that, after Friday, you go home and you don't forget the word, whatever is, is taught, the prayers, you meditate on them, you discuss it, it is the focus of your conversation. It is the, 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 the central theme of your, of your conversation at home, wherever possible. And you don't begin to look forward to the Sunday service, the next meeting. You don't, you don't begin to plan for the next meeting because at least now we only meet twice a week. So now, as you meditate on what you are, you are hearing tonight, you begin to also plan, anticipate, and expect to be part of what will happen in the house of God on Sunday. But if, rather, you, you begin to plan your day, begin to plan things and leave no room, no room for God and the things of God, then you, know, you are only a hearer. You are only a hearer. And this warning is therefore tailored, targeted at you. It means that you can backslide easily if you have, if you have, you have not even already backslided. Therefore, the Bible says we should, pay, we should pay more careful attention energy to the thing that we hear. Otherwise, how can we escape if we neglect so great salvation? With the Lord spoke, Jesus spoke for the first time. Those who heard him passed it on, wrote it down. It has been passed on to us today. That is the approach that the child must have, child of God must have, towards the things that he hears. Praise the Lord. Put your hands there for Jesus. It doesn't end there. That is not all. You see, this subject of what we hear, hearing the word of God is so important that God also confirmed the word. 
It's not just hearing the word and you going to do the word or live by the word. But God confirms it to you every time the word of God is preached genuinely in the house of God. God, over the centuries, no exception, not a single day, you know, um, exempted. Every time the word of God is preached genuinely, as it was given by the Holy Spirit, in the genuine house of God, God confirms the word. So, if God will confirm his word, every time the word is preached, every time it is heard, then you and I must understand, must accept that then the word is so important that obeying it, obeying it is of utmost importance to God. So, Hebrew says that um, and was confirmed to her by those who heard him. God also, say God also. Say God also. Bearing witness. God bears witness with his word. That the word is true. And therefore you and I must obey it. God bearing witness. Both with signs and wonders. With various miracles. And gifts of the Holy Spirit. According to his own will. According to his own will. Very wonderful. Very huge. Very great. Great. It's a mighty thing. God, who made the entire universe. This afternoon, I was just meditating on this one. I said, God, who occupied the entire universe. Make of the universe. Coming down to earth. Earth is just one of the many innumerable planets which God made. And he put man on the earth. That God, came, God came on earth because of you and me to speak his word. Jesus came to speak the word, the gospel, give the gospel. And then having given the gospel, having written down in a book, now, every time the gospel is preached, God being omnipresent everywhere, confirms the word. Now, confirmation of the word is to you, not to God. God knows that his word is true, but it's to make you hear, understand, and believe that no, this, yes, this is the word of God. And therefore, it's of utmost importance. And the Holy Spirit manifesting his gifts, signs, wonders, miracles, now are supernatural activities. Supernatural activities. We speak the word naturally. I use my voice as a human being. You hear the word by people using their voice. They are human beings speaking to you. They use words. But these words are not ordinary words. They are the words of God. And then, having heard the word, having heard a human voice, just like any other voice, then God confirms that word, what we have heard. That is from him, God. By supernatural activities, signs, wonders, miracles, and various gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if this is this you don't if you don't find this frightening, if you don't find this something that you keep you on your toes, 
then I don't know what will make you, you know, um, surrender. What will make you submit. God himself, God also, bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will, according to his own will. Just clap your hands for Jesus. Now, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, let's take it from 14 to 17. It's Romans 10, 17, but let's take it from 14 to 17. Romans 10, 14 to 17. Romans 10, Romans 10, 14 to 17. So about hearing the word of God. Hearing, 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 hearing. Now, verse 14 says, how then, shall, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good news, of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as I says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, when you look at the chain of events, the processes, the steps that God carefully takes, God painstakingly uses to bring the word of God to us. And it's all aimed at making you and me call on God. The purpose of your hearing the word of God is to make you call on God. Now, we make you worship God, serve, serve Him, humble yourself under Him, obey Him. In other words, to make you a child of God, born again, a believer. That is the ultimate purpose of God's intention. And he says, how can you call on him if you, don't hear, if, you have, if you haven't heard, you haven't believed in him? God wants you to call on, on God. He wants to call on him. But how can you call on him if you have not believed in him? If you don't believe in him, how will you call on him? I mean, it doesn't matter to you. It's not important to you. So what, what to make you call on him? So he says, verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You have to believe first. You have to believe. So, there are some who have heard, but they have not believed. They hear, they don't believe, therefore they don't call on him. But may you all believe this evening. Nibu, Tan, Teshin, Mishak, may you all believe what you are hearing tonight. 
He said, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Unless you hear of him, how can you believe in him? And that's why I said before any convert is made, if you want to, if you want to bring someone to Jesus, it is not enough. If I doesn't achieve anything by inviting that person to church, I don't invite people to church. I hardly invite people to church. Because invite him to church, people think that, oh, when you invite him to church, then in the church he will then hear the word of God, <laughs> believe and call on God. But more often than not, that is not the case. That's not, you, you preach to the person. Let that person hear about Jesus first. And then when he or she at least shows signs of believing, then you can then bring him to church so he can hear, you or she can hear more. But to put pressure on someone that, oh, come to my church, I'm inviting you. Bruh. Bruh, this time they when you're having a program, people will love programs. <coughs> they love programs. They love all night prayer meetings. They love that sort of thing. Because they, they want, they feel like, they feel that they can adopt a shortcut. A shortcut to receiving their miracle. But that's not the case. There's no shortcut in the kingdom of God or in the things of God. So, the Bible is making an argument here that how shall they believe in him if they have not heard of him? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, God must send someone to preach. God must appoint somebody, call somebody, send that person out to preach. That person is going to preach the gospel. But those people will hear. Some will believe, some will not believe. Those who believe then will call on Jesus. And that's, that's the chain of events. So how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Unless somebody is sent. As I stand here now, I believe that I'm preaching because I'm, I've been sent. I've been sent. And I pray that one day God will send almost all of you out to preach His word. Nibboy Town, may God send you all out to preach His word. How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. They have not. They have all heard. They have all heard. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our preaching? Who has believed your word? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. There are many in the churches, house of God, who only hear, they hear the gospel every day. And yet, they don't obey it. They are not obeyed. Obedience is the the pivot is the pivotal point, not that hearing. Hearing and obeying, he said, means heeding. Many are those who say, oh, once I belong to that church, or I go to church, I'm okay. Meanwhile, outside the church, or even inside the church, even within the 
the confines or the environment of the church, the person is sinning. He's living in sin. So now, so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, you can't do anything. Now, how do you get the faith? The Bible then concludes by saying that faith must come by hearing the word of God. A lot of times we, we quote faith comes by hearing and hearing, but we just quote that verse 17. But if we look at verse 14, it's an argument. So then, so verse 17 says, so then. Verse 17 begins with, so then. Um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Church, is that in your Bibles? And clap your hand for Jesus. In other words, the more you hear the word of God, the more your faith must grow. This is what God is saying here. Faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come just once and that is it. Hearing, the word hearing is, is present continuous. Present continuous. God is very careful with his choice of words. Faith comes by hearing. As you keep hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, your faith grows. Your faith must not remain the same. So that if you've been a believer for 10 years, um, your faith should not be the same as when you first believed. No. Otherwise, they will say that you have plateaued. You have, you have, you have, you have, you have stagnated. You are, you are marking time. You are, not, you are not going forward. You are not progressing. Therefore, though you may have heard the, word, the same word over and over and over again, every time you hear it, there's always something in the word that you have not considered before. It's new. And that should give an increase to your faith. Otherwise, your faith will become stale. Your faith will become dull. It will begin to shrink. And eventually, that will say, unless you fall away. The end result is that you fall away. You don't find hearing the word exciting anymore. You don't find going to come to church. You don't look forward to going to church. Hearing the word. It's not coming to church. Coming to church means hearing the word, worshipping, praising God. Uh, praying with the, with the believers. If you don't find, don't look forward to that. You don't see that as something that should be, you, should, you, should, you should be in the mood of expectation for. Then you run the risk of falling away. Uh, may we never fall away in FCAC. In the name of Jesus. And how shall we escape if we fall away? Now, hearing and not obeying comes from being stiff-necked. The Bible calls it stiff-necked. Where your neck is so stiff that even when you, you turn it with force, it doesn't move. Stiff-necked. And there are many whose necks are so stiff that no matter how many times they hear the word, it doesn't matter how often they see God confirming his word, they're still the same. They are still the same. But these things, the word, what you hear and what you see, are meant to give you faith. 
give you faith, make you put your life in the hands of God more and more. More and more. Yes, it is true that as time goes on, we all get busier and busier. Maybe before you are not working. Therefore, you have time for, for, for the things of God. But then, you pray to God and God gives you work. And that work keeps you busy. Does it mean that now, your commitment to God must be reduced? You give more commitment to your work? And that's why God says, six days, six days, you are free to do all your work. Six days, you are free to do all your work. But the seventh day, the Sabbath, and we shall do no work. And God demonstrated this. When you use six days to create all of creation. The Bible says on the seventh day, he rested. Now, that seventh day doesn't mean that God was so tired that he took a nap. That is that the whole day. He said 24 hours. Seventh day, he rested. Does it mean that God slept for 24 hours on the seventh day? No. But was that God blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. He blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Why would God work six days and on the seventh day on which he did no work, he blessed that day rather. Blessed that day. What it means, church, is that when you have done your work, Six days. When you have done your work the whole day. And now the time God has appointed unto himself. Part of your time. That time belongs to God. The Sabbath belongs to God. The time of church meeting belongs to God. So if you find yourself elsewhere. Means that you are cheating God. You are stealing God's time. Not that God needs you to give him that time. But God then looks at the work. Church, I know this. God will then look at the work that you have done the six days. You have toiled. You have labored for six days. But that is toil. That is labor. Without God blessing that work, it is futile. It is vain. That work is vain. It is futile. It will vanish away. It's gone. But when you've toiled for six days, when you've toiled the whole day, and then you spend some time come to God on the Sabbath or Meeting time, then God will look at the work that we have done and bless it, establish it. That's what it means. Therefore, God blessed, that's how God blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath, and hallowed, He made it holy. It isn't a Sabbath that, that, but because when you can, then God uses that day, that day to bless the work that we have done. And therefore, there are many who. Bible says they wake up early. They wake up early. They go around up and down, up and down, all over the place. They toil. They come back late. They come back late. And yet they don't get anything. And what they're doing all this, trying to get God gives to his children. Those who go about doing the waking up late, rising early, coming back home, they eat their bread of sorrow. Sorrows. And what they, what, they, what they fail to achieve, God simply gives to children who, who don't have to rise up so early, don't have to toil so much. It's God who gives to them as a gift. Church, may God give it to you all. Michelle can may God give it to you all. In the name of Jesus. So being stiff-necked, no change, no matter how you hear the word, 
You may have been here for 20 years. You are the same. Another word used is uncircumcision. You are not circumcised. Uncircumcision. It's not the cutting off of the false king. Uncircumcision. Stiff-necked. Uncircumcision in your heart and ears. The false king. The false king of your heart and ears have not been cut off. Therefore, the word always falls on deaf ears, cold hearts. Such risk, the risk falling away. Therefore, we must give careful attention to what we hear. Careful attention to what we hear. And now and then, you have to do a self-assessment. Ask yourself, am I doing enough for God? My way of life, what I do, where I go, am I sure God is happy with me? And then the Holy Spirit will talk to you. He will answer you. Those who are stiff-necked, uncircumcised, in heart and ear, they resist the Holy Spirit. They resist the Holy Spirit. In fact, it means that you are resisting the Holy Spirit and transgress and disobey the word. Transgressing, disobeying the word, serious. The law even attracted its own punishment. How much more when you transgress, disobey the word? There's the risk of such people drifting away. There's the risk of such people drifting away. The Bible says that we must take all the more attention. We must give all the more heed, heed, heed the word of God. Otherwise, we drift away. Praise the Lord. So, warning to hearers. Warning to those who just hear. Warning to those who hear. And before we begin to pray, uh, this Sunday and the next two Sundays, the Lord has put on my heart to teach something that is not hard, but just that many of you don't see it. But it's all there. And it's how what God has given us to be able to overcome, to overcome barrenness. 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 Barrenness is such a huge problem all over the world. Both amongst unbelievers and believers alike. And this Sunday and the next following two Sundays is in three parts. You need to get it from the beginning to the end. I'll begin to show you the source of barrenness. How barrenness came into the world. And how we should position ourselves to be able to overcome barrenness. Provision that God has made for us. And it's all in the word of God. It's all in the word. But people hear, they don't even understand, they don't, they don't, they don't heed it. They go round and round and round and round and round and round. But the word is there. And this Sunday, Niboy Town, Michelle Camp, Teshin Tema. I'll begin trusting God to, to um, share some light. You will, not, you will not find everything that we hear, hear on Sunday in any book. You will not find it in any text. Though it is there, I've done. When God gave me this topic, I did a lot of research. 
I have a lot of books. I went and looked at all those books. They only went so far. And beyond that, that was it. None of the books ever went beyond certain points. But I begin to show you from this Sunday how you can overcome barrenness. When I say overcome barrenness, it begins with marriage. But if you are a child of God, you can't have children without marriage. So marriage, how you overcome, you overcome you know, lack of marriage. And then having married, how you can have children, godly children. It's all one package. One package. Like I said, I've tried to do a lot of research on this to see what Bible scholars, what other ministers, what they know about this subject, barrenness. They've written very scholarly, scholarly, you know, um, articles, scholarly um, passages or material on the but they don't go beyond a certain limit. I have the confidence. I confidence to tell you how you can go about it. And it all begins with hearing and obeying. It also has to do with hearing and heeding. Hearing and heeding. So it ties in, even barrenness, overcoming barrenness ties in with what we are hearing this evening. And may you therefore hear and obey. May you all hear and obey, church, in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands for Jesus. Let's be on our feet.